The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On September 14th, 2007... A 14-year-old boy completely deviates from his normal routine and leaves his home in Doncaster, South Yorkshire, England. He withdraws $200 from his bank account and boards a one-way ticket to London. He is last seen on CCTV leaving King's Cross Station. Though no one knows why he made the trip, he has never been seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast. And tonight we bring you the case of Andrew Gostin. Andrew Gosden is an intelligent 14-year-old and he disappeared two weeks ago. He hasn't been seen since. Every day his mother is out searching for him, putting up posters and hoping for sightings. He's one of 30,000 people who are reported missing in London every year, as Tom Edwards reports. Could you have seen this boy in this area? Do you come here regularly? Is it possible you've seen this boy? Could you possibly have seen this boy at all in this vicinity? In the crowds around South Kensington, a mother is looking for her son. She's been searching for 10 days. It really has been quite devastating because it's such a shock and we just haven't got a blueprint for how to handle this kind of situation, really. Sometimes putting in 15-hour days, just walking, chatting to general public, um, staff in the museums or any places where I know he's likely to have been that he enjoys coming to. Andrew Gosden is from Doncaster and 14 years old. He loves museums and visited the capital. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, Coachy, how has life been treating you? Oh, brother, I just got back from Florida. I spent a week there relaxing, spending a shitload of money that I don't really have. But it was fucking fun. I'll tell you that much. Sweet. Did you burn your ass Panama, up? Panama City Beach. Did you go to the boardwalk, man, or whatever they call it? I did want I went to the pier, pier yeah. park. It was, eh, fuck yeah. it. We mostly spent uh, time in the water, and we did a couple of escape rooms, which are fucking fun. If you've never done an escape room, do those. Those things are awesome. That's probably going to be my recommendation for tonight. Do an escape room. But spend a shitload of money on some seafood. Man, I can, I can slap. Put away some seafood, brother. I love going oh. down there to eat. Oh, man. Trust me. We went to some good-ass places. But the best part, man, we went. We rented a boat for half a day, went to Shell Island. Well, there that you was go. awesome. I figured out that I can't read a fucking map. I was like, <laughs> mad. I was mad. I was like, my girlfriend's like telling me, like, no, we're supposed to go this way. I'm like, the map says this. <laughs> you had so to and then I opened up a compass, and I was like, oh, we're going south, not north. I was like, oh, you are totally right. <laughs> and I had to, like, 
I had to completely like backtrack on shit. I was like, oh, you know, you're so pretty when you're right. Just <laughs> <laughs> the best time. You were so pretty when you're right. Hey, we had some lovely time on the water. If I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been yeah. able to enjoy it. Yeah, it went from, you're not listening to me. I'm telling you right now to, oh my God, you were so pretty. <laughs> but no, it was, it was a great trip, man. Seriously. Well, hot as hell, though. Yes. Hot as hell. Yes. That's one thing I'll say about down there. You get 100 yards off the beach, you will fry. You will absolutely die. And the thing is, is like I literally, we're recording this 30 minutes after I got home. And at 4 a.m., this is a Thursday, June, July 13th. And at 4 a.m., July 14th, I'm going to fucking New Orleans for the weekend. So I literally just had an eight-hour drive, and I'm about to have another eight-hour drive. Well, I will say that the reason we had to pull Coach in between trips is because, unfortunately, I start back to work Monday. Half a day virtual, half a day traveling, then two days in Athens, and it's back to the grind. But you can't get it over with if you don't get started. So... I think we had a five-star review. Oh, don't get me started on this one. I, I love five-star reviews. I'm very thankful for them. Don't get me wrong. But I got a bone to pick with this one. Just a little bit. Hopefully, they they said they just started. So, hopefully, they will, you know, catch up and hear their own review. So, this is from Green Prell. And it's a five-star review entitled Fun. And it states, It's fun to listen to y'all, but the fact that you believe that that quote-unquote Bigfoot video is real is really hurting your credibility. Smiley face emoji. Thank you for the five-star review. I'm very glad you listened. But first of all, do not think for one second that you and I, Arlo and I, have watched that quote-unquote video and just went, that's Bigfoot. No. Personally, I have watched, I would I would honestly tell you that I think for, one, for, for absolute certain that I have watched every single solitary video on YouTube about that video. <sighs> Trying to find proof that it's fake. I have watched breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. I've watched the videos where people are like, this is bullshit. Watch this crap. Oh, you can tell right here. Oh, Bob Hieronymus. He said, so Bob Hieronymus is the, there's no way Bob Hieronymus could have lied about it. I've watched everything. But you watch MK Davis or you watch Thinker Thunkers videos on this shit. And I promise you, I have not seen anything concrete that would tell me that that video is fake. I agree with it's everything not you said. Yeah, we're not blind believers in it. No, because there's tons of videos that we come across, and I'm like, man, this is so fake. Oh, every any video that I see that I think is fake, I'm like, that's bullshit. And I'll, I'll send it to you and be like, watch this shit. Yeah. But that there's nothing in that video that nothing that has been analyzed, nothing that has been dissected. We're talking about docu like discovery channel documentaries. 
History Channel documentaries, Monster Quest, Finding Bigfoot, blah, blah, fucking blah. There's nothing on that video that has ever convinced me that it's not real. So it's not that we just believe uh, Patterson and Gimlin blindly. We don't do that. No. It is, it's, it's, we've, I wouldn't say researched, but we've watched a lot of people that have researched. (laughs) I will say that I've tried to find a way, like you said, show me something that, that proves unequivocally that that is a fake or a man in a costume. You can see the muscles. You can also see her right boob. You can see the titties. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. Of all the footage, the Freeman footage, there's there's the Memorial Day footage. There's there's several other footages that I would believe that are genuine. However, that was the fucking gold. That's the grail. That's the holy grail of Bigfoot footage. That one right there, 100%. All right, so wrapping up the old Bigfoot discussion there, while we know it is not a popular opinion, there are two fellows behind the mic right here that do believe that is a genuine vidya. Anyway, that's not what we're here for. That's right. <laughs> Even though that we're, is our we're, logo. <laughs> we're continuing our deep dive into the horrible things that can happen to children. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We're going to have to change our trajectory. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Because right. it's getting it's getting really sad. It is getting really sad. So we are talking about Andrew Paul Gosden this week, and he was born on July tenth, nineteen ninety three, in Doncaster, South Yorkshire, England, to parents Kevin and Glennis. His parents were both speech therapists. Now Andrew had an older sister Charlotte who lived in Balby, a suburb of Doncaster, and Andrew was described as highly intelligent introverted, caring, and thoughtful. At 14 years of age, Andrew excelled in his schoolwork and was in the Young, Gifted, and Talented program. This program's aim was to foster the educational development of the students who were in the top 5% academically at his school. Now, Andrew was particularly gifted in math and was described by his teachers as, quote, genius. Yeah, it goes to show that once we get into the suspicions of what his dad thinks is like, just because you're super smart doesn't mean you're smart everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I went to high school with a genius who had zero fucking common sense. And this may be the case with Andrew. Maybe. Possibly. Yes. Now, despite his intelligence and educational achievements, Andrew was kind of blah towards school and felt that it just didn't challenge him. Quote, to be honest, I think Andrew saw school as something you had to do just in order to have choices open to you for your adult life. End quote, said Andrew's father, Kevin. Now, despite his indifference to school, he maintained a perfect attendance record and continued to consistently bring home straight A's. Kevin went on to say that his son was insightful and cautious. Quote, Andrew was a deep thinker. He didn't typically make decisions spur of the moment. He rarely made decisions without giving them due consideration. He was the sort of person who would listen a great deal but not say much. 
when he did say something, it was generally worth listening to, end quote. Now, Andrew was also known to be a homebody. He seldomly hung out with his friends outside of school, instead preferring to stay home and read, play video games, and listen to music. His father stated that he was currently reading Beyond Good and Evil by German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah, but the fact that he had perfect attendance is definitely going to throw, a, well, not really a monkey wrench, but it's going to it's going to confuse a lot of people about the the events that what happened. Yes, it does. It's now, completely against everything they know about this child. Now, the book that he was reading, if you're not familiar with it, basically is criticizing religion and basically, I guess, professed Frederick's passionate atheism. Now, Andrew grew up Catholic, but had not attended church in over a year and a half, and it wasn't clear whether he was rebelling or if he was imitating his older sister, Charlotte, who had stopped going altogether. Well, the, the parents were very religious. Yes, but they did not have him or his sister baptized because they chose not to force their beliefs onto their children, which is pretty progressive way of thinking. Especially in 1990 or, well, it'd be early 2000s. So. It was like 2007, dude. Yeah. Come on, bro. I'm sorry, bro. I just got that 93 stuck in my head for his date of birth, so. Anyway, yeah, it, it was September 14th, 2007, bro. Now, Andrew also decided that he did not want to continue attending Cub Scouts, explaining to his parents that it bored him. Now, the Gosdens did not own a computer and had just recently gotten access to a laptop when Charlotte received one as a gift. Just before school was set to be out for the summer in 2007, Andrew's parents suggested that he spend time with his grandmother in London, but he decided that he would not go. During the last week of school, Andrew decided to walk home rather than take the bus. His house was approximately four miles away from Macaulay Catholic High School. Now, on the evening of September 13th, 2007, the Gosden family had dinner together. After dinner, Andrew put together a puzzle with his father, and then he watched television before deciding to go to bed. On the morning of September 14th, 2007, Andrew struggled to wake up, which was unusual for him. According to his mother, Glennis, he was also uncharacteristically irritable that morning. Which is very odd for someone that is typically very routine-oriented. Let's just put it that way. And to me, that may be, there may be more to that than anyone might think. The fact that he walked four miles home to me, sounds like he may have been testing himself to see if he could do it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't think about that angle, but that makes sense with one of the theories out there. So, yeah, he may have t he may have tried to do it, and, and he knew that if he couldn't, he could always come home. He could always get a ride, whatever it was. I think that he may have been testing himself. That is a good point. Every once in a while, you come through for me. <laughs> hey, it's I'm telling you when you when you when we pick a case that I actually know about, man, I'm on top of it, brother. <laughs> I don't even have to do research. 
<laughs> now, a family friend, Reverend Alan Murray, saw Andrew that morning walking across Westfield Park and heading to a bus stop just after 8 a.m. However, just after Reverend Murray saw Andrew, Andrew would make a detour and went to a nearby ATM. There, he would withdraw 200 pounds of the 214 pounds in his bank account. It is considered that Andrew would have taken all of the money in his account that morning if it were not for the fact that the ATM only allowed withdrawals in 20-pound increments. Now, CCTV footage shows Andrew returning home, which now there's no one there, and he changes his clothes. He grabs a boy. Here's the thing about the money that he took. He took out two, the $200 out of his bank account, leaving, well, not dollars, pounds. He took 200 pounds out of his bank account. But what's strange to me is he left a hundred dollar, a hundred pounds in cash at home that he got, that he'd saved from his birthday. That to me is a very, a very perplexing um, event. And it doesn't make sense if you're trying to think that if you're going to assume that this kid ran away permanently, wouldn't you take every bit of cash that you could? In the words of the coach, if you're going to leave, take the money. Take the money, absolutely. So that that's one of the very one of the big, the mysterious points about this case is the fact that he took two hundred out of his bank, but left a hundred at home. I don't I don't understand that. I don't get it. Oh, I don't either. When he, after he changes his clothes, he grabs a bag, his PlayStation Portable, which is his PSP, uh, his keys in his wallet, and like Coach said, he did not take the hundred pounds of birthday money, and he did not take his passport or the charger for his PSP, which is also telling. When Andrew didn't well, show, no, well, I mean that is very telling. That tells me that he had every intention to come back. If you're going, if a kid that is obsessed with video games, the, we're not obsessed, but the kid that was a very big fan of video games, the way he was, if you're going to, if you're leaving forever, you take all the cash and you take your PSP charger so you can play your PSP. But that's going to be contradictory to what he actually did to uh, to what he did when he. An event that you're going to speak on later. I'm very sure. I'm very certain of it. (laughs) So when Andrew didn't show up for class, the school called his parents. Now, mistakenly, when dialing the number, they misdialed one digit and no one answered. When the Gostons arrived home, there were, well, they were not overly concerned when they didn't see Andrew. They assumed that he was either in his room or in the basement playing a video game. When dinner was ready, they called for Andrew, but didn't get a response. When he did not show up for school, the secretary, the receptionist, whatever you want to call them, actually tried to call and report that to his parents. But by a mistake on that person's behalf, they either called the number above his or below his, not really certain, and left a a message to inform the parents that he wasn't at school, but they accidentally left it at the wrong number. So it wasn't like the school didn't care. No, 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 no. The way school I did care. From my but, research, the way it stated was they just misdialed that one digit 
and yeah. and didn't get the right thing. Yeah, they left a message on somebody that completely unrelated, and that's how the parents missed the fact that he wasn't at school. So the parents had no idea. No, they were coming clueless. into it. They figured everything was normal. Andrew was went to school, came home, went to his little what is cellar? What it was it like? Like a little nook where he played video games, or he was in the room doing homework. They thought everything was fine. And when they called for him for dinner, they didn't get a response. They looked around the house and couldn't find him anywhere, so they started calling his friends. Now, when his friends had not seen him, they called the school. They were told that Andrew had failed to show up that day and was marked absent, and that's where they find out the miscommunication in dialing the number. This was his first ever absence. They immediately knew something was wrong. His sister Charlotte stated, quote, it was just a complete panic. We initially thought something must have happened on the way to school. When we found out that he hadn't even been to school, even tried to go to school, that was even more worrying, end quote. Now, Andrew's parents went out and retraced his usual route, looking for some sign of him, but found nothing. They called the police and reported him missing, continued looking for him until it got too dark to do so. The police would also conduct a search, but came up with no evidence as to what happened to Andrew. Investigators quickly received their first break in the case. A ticket seller who worked at the train station in Doncaster came forward to say that she remembered selling a ticket to Andrew, a one-way ticket to London, on the day that he went missing. And the strange thing about that is the fact that it was a one-way ticket, a return you know, a round trip uh, round. Yeah, there you go. Fuck. I can't remember shit. A round trip ticket would have cost him 50 pence more. Right. That's what she had stated. Essentially essentially 79 cents American dollars more would have got him a round trip ticket. And he declined. Yeah. She said she spent a couple of minutes trying to explain to him that it was just better to go ahead and get the round trip ticket. That's the perplexing thing about the fact that he didn't take all his money. He didn't take the PSP uh, charger, which means he had every intention of returning, yet he's going to turn down 50 pence for a return ticket. Well, and the, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. The ticket seller said he was very adamant about it only needed to be a one-way ticket. So I don't know if he thought, well, we'll get into it because there's a couple of theories out there. But anyway... All right, so investigators would pull the CCTV footage from the station on September 14th and confirmed the ticket seller's story to be true. Andrew was seen on camera purchasing a ticket and then boarding the train to London. The passenger who reportedly sat next to Andrew on the train said he was quietly engrossed in playing his PSP during the trip. Andrew arrived at King's Cross Station in London at 11.20 a.m. and was seen on CCTV exiting the train at 11.25 a.m. This was the last confirmed sighting of Andrew Gosden. Now, the Gosdens could not fathom what compelled Andrew to skip school and head to London by himself. This behavior was not like him. And if you'll remember, the only ties so far that we know about, well, even afterwards, the only ties to London was that he had family there. His grandmother and I think maybe some cousins or an aunt and uncle lived in London, but none of his relatives in London had seen him since he disappeared. 
Andrew and his sister Charlotte were also very close, but he had not confided in her any inclination as to his plans to head to London that day. Now, there were several reported sightings of Andrew after he arrived in London. One sighting was at a pizza hut in Ox, or not in, on Oxford Street. The pizza hut was only two miles southeast of King's Crossing train station. There would be another sighting of Andrew later that same day at Covenant Garden. Now, investigators were not quick enough in requesting the CCTV footage from businesses near the train station for September 14th. By the time they put in their request to all the businesses surrounding the train station, those businesses had already deleted the September 14th footage. The investigation would go cold and they would turn their attention, the investigators' attention, to Andrew's father, Kevin. They would try to get Kevin to admit to culpability in Andrew's disappearance. Bewildered, Kevin could not understand why he was the target due to all of the evidence clearly showing Andrew left on his own accord. And this would ultimately take a toll on Kevin with depression setting in, and it got so bad that he attempted suicide, but luckily failed in his attempt. Now, unfounded rumors would begin to circulate that Andrew left that day because he was gay and was afraid of how his religious parents would react. Now, there is no evidence to back these rumors up. Kevin would go on record in the media and state, quote, if he is gay, we don't have an issue with it. He is loved unconditionally. Both my wife and I and his sister and the only thing that would await him if he returned or made contact would be a lot of missed hugs, end quote. Now, according to law enforcement, over 100 sightings of Andrew surfaced in the first year of his disappearance, with roughly 50 of them being reported in London. Bizarrely, 11 sightings came from Brighton on the south coast of England, approximately 45 miles south of London. Many of those alleged sightings were investigated, but none could be confirmed. One night in November of 2008, a man stopped by the Lillminster Police Station in Herefordshire, West Midlands. He used the intercom system to speak with a police officer and claimed that he had information regarding Andrew Gosden's disappearance. Strangely, by the time an officer had arrived to speak with him in person, the man was gone. Both the Gosden family and law enforcement pleaded for him to come forward during a BBC broadcast, assuring him that he could remain anonymous. After the broadcast aired, the BBC received a letter from someone claiming to be the man in question, stating that he had spotted Andrew just the month before in Shrewsbury. When this lead was followed up on, it went nowhere and was another unsubstantiated sighting. In June of 2018, someone reached out to the Gosden family and reported an online conversation that they felt might be relevant to Andrew's disappearance. According to this individual, a user called Andy Rue, which is a nickname the Gosden family used for Andrew, said their boyfriend had left them and they needed 200 pounds to pay their rent. When someone offered to send him money, Andy Rue explained that he didn't have a bank account because he had left home at 14. 
Now, law enforcement investigated this lead as well, but were unable to identify the user. And that is basically all of the evidence in the case. Now we're going to get into theories. And the first one is that Andrew was groomed by someone and convinced to come to London. Yeah, but they found absolutely no evidence of that. The police took all the electronics owned by Andrew. They searched all the electronics at the school that Andrew attended, and they found no evidence. Andrew did not have any online presence whatsoever to the point where he barely uses his cell phone. Right. That's what I was going to say. He had a cell phone, but he had lost two of them and didn't really ask for a third one. So they just didn't give him one. Yeah. They bought, they, yeah, they like bought him a brand new one and he lost it. And they were like, his parents were like, well, we'll just get you another one. He was like, eh, whatever. But, and that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem with this theory is he didn't have an online footprint. The home didn't have a computer until two weeks before he disappeared. He loved his Xbox and he loved his PSP, but the police searched those and they found no evidence of him playing online at all. Right. A digital forensic investigation was carried out on the computers in both his school and the local library, and they turned up no evidence of Andrew having any sort of communication. So I don't know. I mean, that's, but that is one of the largest ones out there. I mean, it makes sense to think that he was groomed and he came to London on the promise of, well, you just come here, we'll do this, we'll do that. It makes a lot of sense because of his age and his vulnerability because, according to his dad, he didn't have street smarts. He was vulnerable when it came to stuff like that. Though he was very smart when it came to academics, he didn't know anything about the world really because he kept to himself He had friends at school, but according to his dad, he didn't really associate with them out of school. It's very um, obvious that the police would think something like that. I would, if I was investigating, I definitely would. They even looked into his PSP online account, and there was no email addresses or social media accounts connected to that account, and he didn't. Nothing. Like we said, he didn't have a phone at the time. Um. So really there's no, if, if he was being groomed, it had to be almost a personal relationship at school because the, from what you know about this case, he didn't go anywhere except to school and home. Now, another theory is that Andrew drowned and the Gazans began to wonder if it was possible that he had accidentally accidentally fallen into the Thames River and drowned, so they hired a private firm with special sonar equipment to help them search the river. Unfortunately, the search of the Thames never recovered anything relevant to Andrew's disappearance. Other theory is he wanted to go to London to listen to or to attend a concert. Now, he did love music and especially metal music and both. I don't, this is not metal, but 30 seconds to Mars and sick. Were oh, that's definitely not metal. Fucking Jared Leto's band. Fuck well, that. 
I don't, I didn't look up sick. It's S I K T H. They were both playing in London the day that Andrew arrived, but it is unknown whether he liked either band because again, he kept to himself and he didn't really discuss a whole lot. It's possible, but I don't know. Another theory is that he ran away. Um, but we've kind of shot holes in that because if he did leave home with the intention of never returning, you've got, there's several issues that we've already touched on. There's the fact that he left his cash behind in his room. He left his charger and his passport. And anyone who plays as much as Andrew supposedly did will tell you the fact that the charger was left behind is a clear sign that Andrew was not planning to be gone for very long. I mean, if you, if to me, Everything that we, everything about this case does scream to me that he he left on his own volition with the intent to never come back. Now we we me and I have and you have we've both pointed out the fact that he left his charger, which points out that he had the intention to come back. What if he just accidentally left it? He just forgot it. Does that change your perception of what happened? Yes, it does. What if what if he fucking realized on the train ride? Oh shit! On, or I mean, once he got there, once his once his PSP started to die, what if he realized? Oh shit! I forgot it. That kind of changes. I, mean, I thought about that when I was researching. I was like, man, he he didn't take his charger. Of course he was coming back. He didn't take his charger. Well, see, I w- I'm what? wondering I mean, if, just, that, if that was true, though, if he had another, like, behavior. Do you, I would think that his parents or somebody that, that was close to him was like, he's always forgetting something. Or what if, I mean, what if he had two? What if he had two chargers? Well, that's that's another good one. He That bag they, that he grabbed may have had one in it. Yeah, there's, there's no, nothing I researched before we chose this case and after we chose this case. Nothing I've researched has told me what's in that bag. No, I have not found out either. No one knows what's in that bag. What if he had two chargers? What if he just blindly forgot? Just simple dumb luck. He's like, oh, I need my PSP. And just, I mean, he's fucking 14. They're not the most, you know. Savvy. <laughs> they're not the most savvy. I mean, they're, they. I would assume that a 14-year-old is prone to forget some things. I've got a 17-year-old, almost 18-year-old that would forget his ass if it wasn't grown on. Well, let's let's consider this. Let's let's put on the table that just blindly he forgot his charger. The fact that he did not buy a return ticket for essentially a dollar. Forget the whatever the exchange rate was, probably seventy nine cents at the time. For an American dollar, he did not buy a return ticket and was adamant that he did not want one, according to the ticket seller. Yeah, exactly, because the police interviewed her, and she told him, "She's like, I tried. I tried to explain, I tried to, I tried to, explain to him how, like, how how much cheaper it'd be." And he's like, "No, I don't need one." The fact that he was adamant. That he did not want to return ticket. Could that be very telling? Yeah, I mean, it can, but I mean, 
Then, but we'll get into uh, other than the charger and other than the money he left at in his room. If you take those two facts away, to me, this honestly looks like some a person that ran away with the intent of never coming back. But maybe he was in such he made such a hasty decision that he forgot his charger and perhaps forgot about the money in his room. The money part, I see is very unlikely. Forgetting the charger, easily, easily could forget the charger. And but the money, I don't think so. I don't know how much a PSP charger would have run him. I'm sure he could have picked one up somewhere in London. Maybe, but anyway, I mean, even so, I could see you definitely forgetting the charger without question. Just fucking dumb luck. Oh, I I didn't bring my charger. The money, the money one is what's hanging on me. If you're running away forever, you need as much cash as you can get. Yeah, you can get as much money as you possibly can. You're going to forget a hundred pounds in your room. I doubt that, but it's possible. So if we say that he forgot both of those things, to me, it looks like clear cut kid running away forever. And he's a, he's, by all intents and purposes, he's a genius. Yeah, he is. He cruised through school. He was making straight A's. He was doing it. I mean, so he's smart enough to maybe try to make it on his own. I don't think he could, but maybe, given a shot. Now, some have speculated that Andrew was being bullied at school and that this would be a reason for running away. Neither his friends at school nor anyone in his family knew of any specific incident that would support this theory. Now, the last theory out there of the more prevalent ones is just random foul play or trafficking. And this theory speculates that Andrew went to London not to meet with someone but for another reason and randomly encountered someone who had malicious intent. Another idea was that he was grabbed by traffickers while in London. In December of 2021, investigators arrested two men aged 39 and 46 on suspicion of kidnapping and human trafficking in connection with Andrew Gosling's disappearance. The 46-year-old suspect was also arrested on suspicion of possessing indecent images of children. However, both men were later released under investigation while inquiries into their possible involvement in Andrew's disappearance continued. Police said that electronic devices which were seized from the men could take, quote, 6 to 12 months to analyze. As of January 2023, South Yorkshire Police released a statement to the effect that the investigation of these men, whose identities have not been released to the public, was still ongoing. Now, Kevin and Glennis have kept Andrew's bedroom almost exactly the way he left it and have opted not to change the locks on their home in case Andrew is still alive and is able to return one day. Now, Kevin would write a tribute to his son in 2022, quote, Andrew is still missing. As we reach his 29th birthday, we realize that he has been gone for longer than he was here. The intensity of his not being here with us continues every day. A huge hole in our lives and our family. For me, I think the one thing we cannot lose is hope. 
hope of reunion, hope of news, hope of an answer of any kind, end quote. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Andrew Gosden, please call or text 116-000. If you can't do that, then you can also text H-O-P-E to 70707-STAR to donate three pounds. So, with those theories out there, and you've kind of hinted to yours, there's some key things there that lead you to believe that it would be a runaway situation. I just, the only thing, he's either, he either ran away or he was going to visit his grandmother some for some reason in his head. He needed to visit her. And then she was going to either pay for him to come home or someone would take him home or his family would come and they would get him. Now, if that's the case, the trafficking thing kind of plays in. He could have been snatched between the train station and his grandmother's house. The running away, I don't... With them doing such a in-depth forensic investigation of all the computers that he had access to, you would think they would have come across something that would have led them to think he had run away, and that would be where they are chasing it. But they, from what I could find, they don't. And since he has now technically been gone for, what, 16 years now? He's, he would have been 30. He's, yeah, he'd be 30. Just to, I mean, there's been... I remember uh, seeing something about it was like a rock show or something. Somebody snapped a picture of someone that looked a lot like him and it gave hope that he was a lot around, but nothing ever came about it. They couldn't identify the guy. They couldn't find him. They couldn't. It was just that one picture. It was like two, maybe two, three years ago. And it was like a rock show in England and it, it it did look like an age progressed person of him, but I don't know, man. Like these are so the the cases we cover are so strange because it just doesn't make nothing ever makes sense. Some of our listeners get frustrated, and they they voice their frustrations at us. But you know what? We're just as fucking frustrated as you guys. Yes, because and- it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. The you you you're gonna leave. You don't leave money behind if you're leaving forever. You just don't. But you don't if you're going if you plan on coming home. You don't turn down one dollar to make your ride home. That's why I'm no, thinking. Do that. I'm thinking he was going to visit someone he knew in London, and he was under the impression that either they would take him home. They would call his parents. They would come get him or they would take him to his grandmother's who his parents wanted him to spend some time with anyway during the summer break. But why do that without any announcement? Like he literally disappeared. He could have done that anytime during the summer break. He literally disappeared eight days into the new school year. Eight. He got dressed in his school uniform. Yeah, there was there was premedi- the stop. premeditation in his leaving. Walked to the bus stop. Went then once the bus left, his parents were gone, he went home and changed into his normal clothes. 
whatever was in that, took whatever was in that bag, took his PSP, did everything. It just, I don't understand why, why he did what he did. I can't, I can't make sense of it. Nobody you can. It is, and the fact, whatever, and it screams to me. If you look at the, if you look at the the evidence without the two, the leaving the PSP uh, charger and the money, it screams that he was running away. But it also screams the fact that he never returned and he hasn't been seen since. It would scream that he was lured, lured, <laughs> that's a hard word. He was lured into something. Someone tricked him into coming to London and trafficked him, kidnapped him, did whatever to him. But there's absolutely no evidence of it. How do you leave absolutely no trace whatsoever? There would be traces of something like that on Andrew's end. Well, see, maybe and that's the on, thing. Maybe not on the other person's end, but there would be traces of an online presence. Right. But if Andrew, they but there's not. enticed him to go to London, right. they could have right. done it face to face while at school. You or, think? or one of his school friends could have told him about. Here's the thing one of his school friends could have told him about something in London that pertain to gaming or something else that he was interested in. And like you said, he was testing himself to see if he could walk the four miles, eight miles round trip. Um, and then once he got to London, he gets snatched or once he's at London, say it some gaming thing or some gaming shop, Somebody's like, oh, yeah, well, you're here. Where do you live? And then they figure out this kid is by himself. And then the dominoes start to fall and he's snatched. That, to me, could probably be the most likely scenario. Is that for whatever reason, he went to London to do whatever he wanted to do. And then just by happenstance, he came across the wrong fucking people. That's what I believe. I think he was that's just. Prob- that's probably the most likely scenario, honestly. And unfortunately, it's, I don't think he lived much past that month. Yeah, but again, it's the same thing. It's like, how do you like, how do you make someone disappear forever? Well, there's eighty nine thousand kids that are unaccompanied right now across the southern border. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's just, it's just. I mean, it's just such a sad situation. It is, man. It's gut-wrenching. And, and the thing is, from all aspects of what I investigated, researched, whatever you want to call it, he had a great home life. They were very, like you said, very progressive, and they allowed him to be his own person. They didn't force their yeah. beliefs on him. Yeah, they weren't overbearing. The, uh, the dad stated that there was no evidence that he was bullied. There was no evidence that he was depressed. There was no evidence of anything. But again, if what you've said is true, that he just went to London and met the wrong people, 
the still the mystery is is why the fuck did he decide to go to London? No, I agree. That is a mystery. Is how what was he going to London for? Yeah, and I know there was like a his dad stated something like a YouTube fest or something like that. There was something about YouTube. There was like you know YouTube creators and let's just call it a convention. Let's just for the second for the sake of the term. There's like a YouTube convention going on, but there was no evidence that he was even on YouTube that much. Well, and then kind of piggybacking off of that, if there, that could have been what enticed him there, because if he was a gamer, he could have been following some people that have a YouTube channel where they go through the games, and then he wanted to go and see how they did it, maybe ask some questions. And then again, he's going to go to grandmother's and get grandmother to take him or whatever. But here's the, here, here's another thing that I will say about that. If that's true, why not tell your parents? That's what I eat. Because your parents, your parents have already encouraged you to go to London by yourself to visit your grandmother. So why not at least spitball the idea? Hey, hey. there's a YouTube festival in London. I'd really like to go. And if they say no, then be like, well, if I do. I'll go see grandma. Right, right. I mean, I mean, why not? Yeah, I don't. the The whole fly in the ointment is what was he headed to London for? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Regardless of what exactly happened to him, whatever camp you're in, he was snatched after he got there. He was enticed to go there. The the real mystery is, is why the fuck did he go there? Why did he decide, though he was bored with school, though he didn't feel challenged, he still had perfect attendance? Why on that random day did he decide to break that? Why go through the motions of getting ready for school? Why go through the motions of getting ready to school, going to your bus stop like you normally do, and then going home to change? Why the secrecy? His parents seem very open-minded. And like I said earlier, that shows premeditation on his part. He had a plan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this was not a spur-of-the-moment thing. But, I mean, at the same exact exact time— he just had a spur-of-the-moment idea to go to this YouTube festival, blah, 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 blah. But he didn't buy the return ticket home. I I know a lot's been made out of the return ticket in the media and then by you, but I'm thinking in his little 14-year-old mind, me. in his little 14-year-old mind, he has grandma to help him. That's why he's not going to spend it. Now, does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. But in his 14-year-old mind, I don't need to spend another dollar because I can just go get grandma and they can call or she can take me or she'll give me money for another train ticket. So I think we've beat this one half to death, but let us know what you think happened. I'll try to put a poll on the old Patreon page to see what our patrons think. And then I'll lit. If you are listening on Spotify, I have been putting some questions, maybe some polls on there. There were, I wanted to go over this earlier and I forgot, I forgets about it. We, I did put a poll on Timothy Pitson's episode. They, uh, I just said, is Timothy still alive? Yes or no. 
It was 60-40. No, he is not still alive was the votes there. I I would have to agree with him. I'm sorry. It sucks. It fucking is sad, and it sucks. But, man, though I couldn't tell you how she – what she did or how she – made it where they were, he would never be found. I think he's gone. I'm just saying in this day and age with social media, internet, there's no way at his age when he disappeared that he wouldn't remember who he was and not get wind of the fact that he's a missing person. I just don't think that's possible. Agreed. Now we did have a message I just put it out there. What did you think about our episode? And they, this was episode 185, Patricia Humphreys and Michelle Prasick. And I guess I have forgotten, but I guess you sang in that episode because Tracy 666 said coach should sing more often. It made my in day. What episode? 185. Which, which episode is that? Patricia Humphreys and Michelle Prasick. I don't even know who those people are. That's the, that is, that's the saddest part. So those are <laughs> we are trying to interact more and more. There. Um, oh, that's the one where uh, she she vanished. The one that vanished from the drive-through theater, and then. Uh, um, that was Patricia. The other one, yeah. yeah, the other one vanished not too far after that. I don't remember singing in that one. Did I? I don't. What, I she guess she recommends that I sing more. That's what she says. Said it made her day. Oh, I'm gonna have to re. I'm gonna have to re-listen. To see what I sang. If she has a request, I will I will definitely put I will put it on the list and I will sing the hell out of it. <laughs> so we did have one from our latest episode, Kyron Horman. It said uh, Mr. Anthony Taylor says they legalized every drug in Oregon, crystal meth and heroin, as they don't and they don't have cameras. Question mark. I'm from Arkansas. You guys do a thing on Vince Foster, Hillary's boyfriend. I don't know where to get five stars on the podcast. I don't know, man. No. There's two. I don't know if I'm going to touch that shit. There's two things we will probably never cover. That and the Dixie Mafia. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not, fucking with the, I'm not fucking with any mafia. First of all, if you're like, well, the mafia might have been involved. Well, good. Good for them. Not covering it. <laughs> Or cartels. We'll go three. Like the Sicilian Mafia? Yeah, they might not be able to reach us. But I goddamn guarantee you the fucking uh, the Dixie Mafia, they can get to us. They got agents around these woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're right. riding the heart of that shit. Yeah, we are. So, recommendations. I'm going to recommend. I've never recommended Wikipedia before. But I'm going to recommend the disappearance of Andrew Gostin's Wikipedia page. Read the whole thing because it got, it's got some information we didn't cover. And tell me what you really think. Give me your feedback on this case. What do you think happened? I really want to hear from you because I don't have a clue as to why. I know what happened, but I ain't got a clue on why. Or what happened after he's seen on the CCTV footage? Not a clue. Well, if you are interested in the Kelly Wilson case, I recommend a 
serial podcast called Devil Town. Now, we covered Kelly. I don't remember when. I'll have to look back. But it was hard for us to find a lot because it was in Texas. And then in Gilmer, Texas is a small town. She was the one. I know. She was the one that worked at the video store. And her car was found. They showed the security camera shows her dropping off the night deposit. But you can't tell if someone else is in the car. And then her dad finds her car with the door unopened the next morning. She just disappeared. Well, the guy that's putting on this podcast is actually from a little town, I think he said east of Gilmer, and he was 12 or 14 when Kelly went missing, and so he's got a genuine investment in it, and it's very well done. Of course, it's done by Imperative Entertainment, and they spend no ex- spare no expense, I shall say. But if you are interested in diving deeper in that Kelly Wilson case, Devil Town is the podcast. There's 14 episodes, and I'm about two episodes in. Again, it's very good. Very, very good. All right, Coach. Well, uh, you got anything else for the lovely ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land? You know I don't. Uh, Deuces.